It's Thursday, February 13th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. After the Justice Department intervened on behalf of an old friend of President Trump's, the Attorney General of the United States is preparing to take the hot seat. Meanwhile, in a different hot seat, senators heard today from one of Trump's picks for the Federal Reserve. We'll tell you why her comments on returning the U.S. to the gold standard have caused a gold rush of concern. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. Today's episode is brought to you by Cambria Hotels. Little luxuries, big difference. When planning a party, it's always nice to know if people are actually going to show up. Especially if you're the House of Representatives, your party is a House Judiciary Committee hearing, and your guest of honor is Attorney General William Barr. And he just RSVP'd, yes. This is good for lawmakers because they have a lot of things they want to ask him about. The first thing is Roger Stone. You've probably been hearing Stone's name a lot recently. He's an old friend of Trump's and a longtime political consultant. For a hot minute, he was even an advisor on Trump's 2016 campaign. Here he is on an episode of Inside Edition the year before. Trump has the size and the style and the boldness to be president. Last year, in the middle of special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation, Stone was indicted and later convicted on seven felony counts, including lying to Congress and witness tampering. So that was a big deal. But it wasn't until this week that things got really crazy. On Monday, federal prosecutors submitted their sentencing memo to the judge. To be clear, this is a totally normal task and is part of their job. They recommended that Stone be sentenced to seven to nine years in prison, which they said is within federal guidelines. Then, a little after midnight, Trump stepped up to defend his longtime friend, saying the whole situation with Stone was a miscarriage of justice. And then that morning, the Justice Department, as in those prosecutors' bosses, intervened and said, uh, yeah, we don't actually agree with this sentence, and that they were going to revise the recommendation to a lighter sentence. Usually when prosecutors send in their memo, their bosses don't step on their toes like this. That's because what's going to be recommended is discussed ahead of time. But that didn't seem to happen. And the whole seven to nine years thing reportedly blindsided DOJ officials. But then another rare thing happened. The four prosecutors who were behind that original sentence resigned. All of this made it look like the president may have influenced the DOJ's decision. But according to the Justice Department, they made up their mind to intervene before Trump hit tweet. To be clear, experts are saying this mass exodus of prosecutors is super unusual. And now, career prosecutors are reportedly worried about facing more pressure from the Trump administration on future cases. So, Dems want to ask Barr about all of that. But that's not the only thing on their minds. The House Judiciary Committee is also planning to ask Barr about Jesse Liu. Here's Liu on a Justice Department panel last summer. Some of you may know that my U.S. Attorney's Office uh, here in Washington, D.C. is unique among the 94 U.S. Attorney's Offices in the country. Her name might not be that familiar, but she's the former U.S. Attorney for Washington, D.C. Her role meant that she was in charge of some big-name cases. Like, you guessed it, the Roger Stone case. And also, cases investigating other people in Trump's inner circle, like Rick Gates and Michael Flynn. Last December, Trump put her up for a top gig with the Treasury Department. 
Her confirmation hearing was actually supposed to be today. But on Tuesday, Trump pulled her nomination. He reportedly wasn't happy with how our office handled the Stone case and that she wasn't directly involved enough with how this and other cases played out. Dems think pulling her nomination was a bridge too far and want to get some answers from our old boss, Bill Barr. Democrats also want to ask him about things that happened before this week, like about the DOJ's relationship with Trump's personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani. This dates all the way back to the start of the impeachment proceedings. According to reports, there was an entire process set up by the DOJ for Giuliani to directly feed them information he had about the Bidens and Ukraine from his personal investigations, despite not having any official role in the White House. So the House Judiciary has a big to-do list planned, and Barr has some answering to do. Here's House Speaker Nancy Pelosi in a press conference today. The attorney general has stooped to such levels. He's lied to Congress, for uh, which he will be in contempt. He has uh, um, engaged in these activities. What a sad disappointment to our country. Reminder, it's only been a week since Trump was acquitted in his impeachment trial. And Dems are calling all this recent drama Trump's retribution tour. Meanwhile, Barr has been described as Trump's sword and shield, even though his role as attorney general of the United States means he's supposed to represent the interests of the government as a whole. Trump maintains that he didn't try to intervene, but that he could if he wanted to. No, I didn't speak to the judge. I'd be able to do it if I wanted. I have the absolute right to do it. Uh, I stay out of things uh, to a degree that people wouldn't believe. Even so, Barr told ABC News this afternoon that Trump's tweets make it impossible for him to do his job. For example, when it comes to the Roger Stone sentencing debacle, Barr says that he had already decided to revise the recommended seven to nine year sentence. But then... Once the tweet occurred, the question is, well, uh, now what do I do? And uh, do you go forward with what you think is the right decision or do you pull back because of the tweet? And that just sort of illustrates how disruptive these tweets can be. Bill Barr is scheduled to testify at the end of March. But between now and then, Democrats may come up with even more things to add to their list when he finally gets in the hot seat. Coming up, how's your knowledge of the price of gold? Well, depending on how today's Senate Banking Committee hearing went, that might come in handy after the break. Business travel doesn't have to be boring. Cambria hotels are designed for the modern business traveler, offering guests a distinct experience with the simple, guilt-free indulgences that make business travel better. Think sipping a craft beer on a rooftop patio, Bluetooth mirrors in spa-like bathrooms, and locally inspired art and design. Cambria hotels are located across the U.S. Book now at choicehotels.com cambria. That's choicehotels.com c-a-m-b-r-i-a. This hearing will come to order. Today, the Senate Banking Committee had to decide whether to invite two new people to a very exclusive club. This morning, we will consider the nominations of the Honorable Judy Shelton to be a member of the Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve System. The Federal Reserve is the country's central bank in charge of keeping the economy stable. It's run by a group of seven people called the Board of Governors. There are only five board members now, so Trump had to fill two of those seats which get confirmed by the Senate. These aren't seen as partisan positions, though. Since the Fed only cares about the economy's health, the group's decisions are pretty independent from the politics of D.C. One of the nominees today was an economist named Christopher Waller. He basically sailed through the hearing. 
Instead, all eyes were on Judy Shelton, who's been getting a lot of attention for some of her economic policy hot takes. To be clear, Shelton definitely has a lot of experience. For nearly four decades, going back to my years as a doctoral student at the University of Utah, I have focused on the impact of monetary policy on economic performance. But she's also said some kind of controversial things, things members of both parties have been concerned about. Like, she said that the Fed should not be independent from politics. And she's questioned whether the Fed should exist at all. Today, she walked back those statements. The Fed operates independently, as it should, working for the best interests of the nation. But one position that got us Googling was her past support for the U.S. returning to the gold standard. That's what we had in some shape or form up until the 1970s. It means the value of our paper money would depend on how much gold the U.S. has. Some argue that the gold standard limits economic growth because then the health of the economy depends entirely on how much gold there is. But the gold standard was intended to prevent things like inflation. That's the argument Shelton supported in the past. And it's raised a lot of eyebrows on both sides of the aisle heading into her hearing. So today, she firmly shot the idea down. I would not advocate going back to a prior historical monetary arrangement. Instead, she seemed to flip the narrative and claims now that she only talked about the gold standard because she thinks we need to learn from the past. So, uh, thanks for the history lesson? It's not totally clear how senators on the banking committee will vote on Shelton's nomination. And after the hearing, some senators on both sides of the aisle said they still have concerns. And that's a big deal because in recent history, the Fed nominees on the board were confirmed with at least some bipartisan support. In fact, Republicans were willing to reject two of Trump's recent picks in part because they were too close to the president. Some people who closely watch this kind of thing think Shelton is already a contender to take the top spot on the Fed in a couple of years. Jerome Powell's term as the body's chair is up in 2022. So if Shelton gets the Republican support she needs in the Senate, she'll be a name to watch. It's Skim Money Thursday, and today we want to talk about why everyone is suddenly on the move into new homes. According to a new report by the National Association of Realtors, people are buying homes at the highest rate in nearly two years. And almost half of the homes sold in December were only on the market for less than a month. So no, you're not the only one binging property brothers. But what's happening now to make people sign on the dotted line and try to make their Pinterest boards a reality? Well, you might remember that last year, the Federal Reserve cut the interest rate three times, which means that banks could make it easier for consumers to take out loans, like mortgages. And typically, low mortgage rates encourage people to open their wallets and make a move. But it's not all open houses and IKEA shopping sprees. Because of our good friend from econ class, supply and demand. In this case, the supply of houses is considerably low as in the lowest since the NAR started tracking inventory back in the early 80s. Why is that? Experts point to shortages in land and labor, which drive up home prices because it'll be that much more expensive to construct them. So even though mortgage rates are low right now, and that usually means it's a good time to buy, they're also causing sales to surge and supply to drop. So your dream home may have a higher sticker price than you had hoped. For more on home buying, head on over to theskim.com slash money. 
Before we go, we want to wish you all a happy Galentine's Day. What's Galentine's Day? We all know that tomorrow's all about candy grams and flowers and I love you, I love you, whatever. But today is Galentine's Day. The holiday was invented 10 years ago on an episode of NBC's Parks and Recreation. Here's Amy Poehler's character, Leslie Nope. Oh, it's only the best day of the year. Every February 13th, my lady friends and I leave our husbands and our boyfriends at home and we just come and kick it breakfast style. Ladies celebrating ladies. Galentine's Day caught on, and not just for fans of the show. Nowadays, you might see your local bar offering deals on wine and big retailers offering discount codes for the ladies. So remember, tonight is all about celebrating friendships, you beautiful tropical fish. And that's all for Skim This. Thanks again for listening, and be sure to hit subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. If you want to add the Skim to your morning routine, sign up for our free newsletter, The Daily Skim, right on our website at theskim.com. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox. 